like abesbooks.com? Yeah, I've I've bought some stuff from them before. No. They had a couple copies on there for like 40 or 50 that I thought about. And I just felt like I'd read the PDF. But everyone has for sale. the uh, There's another one, another secret diary, which I guess yes. published later. I don't and really that know. One's, that's, yeah, I'm trying to get a sense of that. So, yeah, this is his like one when he's like 33, 30. I can't exactly remember exactly how much. But mid-30s. and like, in, like just in Virginia. But the the sec, subsequent one is after his wife dies from in this. Um, yeah. and he goes to London for like years and basically like tries to fuck with spots with the governor, Lieutenant governor from London and just stays over there. And he writes a kind of a, a very nice, he has like the gentlemanly manner. So he writes a very nice, you know, sort of how much my heart is broken for my wife being lost, who, uh, his wife, Lucy Park, his, her dad is a character in and of himself. Um, literally mm-hmm. killed in a, an uprising in um, uh, Antigua, I think, which is also I mentioned in here. I don't know if you guys got to that part, but he's that he gets news of it and rumor of it in this. Um, mm-hmm. But so she dies, and then he 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 basically has unsuccessful uh, entreaties to a whole bunch of women. Some of them end pretty embarrassingly for him. Well, yeah, I think. But I think in London he goes on an absolute spree, doesn't he? Is that, uh, yeah. an, Al- is that an Albion Seed? Is that what that's saying? Yeah, I think those are the quotes from Albion Seed, where he's like, he he goes out and he's like walking home, and he just he just hits on anything. Yeah, it's yeah. I think that he gets involved in prostitution and stuff in London. There, I think, but that's a I think that one's harder to get a hold of. I wonder how many are actually existing, and we just don't know too. If these like old, fa- I, like I'm curious what the state of these are because I mean all of the, I would I would uh, honestly go through, I mean not all of them if, for his entire life because that would take forever. Um, they said I think in the preface to the one you sent that there's like there's potentially like seven and there's four that are missing or something. Right, exactly, and, and like that stuff is all like just based on the people who own it, <laughs> uh, yeah. telling them what they want to. Uh, thing, but those ones are more salacious. Even this one, I mean, there's, this uh, it also like he goes into fucking Williamsburg. Uh, like it, it, the the mo- you can always tell he's gonna get up to shit. He's gonna go gambling. Coffee house. Exactly. Go to the coffee house. There's one. He's like he just uh, he just confessed like I harassed a Negro maid, and like v- Williamsburg is yeah he's away from the family in town, um, and he's. Uh, it's very interesting because he is such a prominent figure in uh, the Virginia colony at that time, like the wealthiest, if not, maybe not the complete wealthiest, but like major, major wealth. Um, they said he had the greatest like library in all of the Virginia colony, I think, right? Yeah. I mean, possibly all of the colonies. I think that's probably right. And um, and again, this is just the pre-show. Hey, everybody. For, so we'll do the actual <laughs> facts in the next episode. But this is just to catch up. But also, in the um, when he's in London trying to secure his second wife, uh, he who it coaxes him on, but ultimately it's her father who gets to decide. And uh, uh, he he. he I fear what it's called, like a state of my affairs. This is what I have. And mm-hmm. he has 220 slaves under his, that's one of the main things. And then like his income, that's the two things he, like, this is the labor power I can coerce. And this is the income I have. And mm-hmm. those are the two important factors. And it's not good enough. 
uh, the, the father says plantation in Virginia is like a plantation on the moon, um, <laughs> uh, which is good funny. old English aristocracy. You yeah. have, um, to know what's what. <laughs> but so yeah, I've I've been. It's a, it's been because there's such a paucity of texts for this time period. So I also own this now, you know, in addition to like the William Byrd uh, diaries, I bought this Kindle fire and it's, I don't, I don't mean to advertise it. It's not a good product, um, <laughs> but I needed to buy it in order to, it's a long story, but in order to access for my DRM ripping <laughs> procedures, I needed to have, I needed to own one of these uh, before uh. I could download it. So I bought the cheap one. Um, but now I own it. And so now we will also be doing, in addition to the diaries, the dividing line histories of William Byrd. I don't know. Are you guys familiar much of, with these? That's his book that he wrote. Is that right? Yeah. This is the one he's famous for. And this is, so he, uh, you know, he spent a lot of his life in London. And this is, he went back ultimately in the late 20s to survey the dividing line between Virginia and North Carolina for the king. And he wrote um, two narratives on it. One is sort of the official one meant for public consumption. And the second one is the secret history of the divided line, which he wrote with a whole bunch of pseudonyms and a bit bodier with more uh, detail. And yeah. it's, it's very interesting stuff. Um, and I haven't actually read it, either one of them complete yet. I read the preface to it, but uh, suffice to say, if I had to buy this thing for it, we're going to cover it on uh, the <laughs> hangover. Um, but I'm actually, it actually really intrigues me that, that he would write out two narratives, um, particular, and like the, because we talk about like Afro Ben, for instance, Bird was a fan of restoration drama. Uh, I don't know, I don't know about, um, Ben specifically, but it's not entirely, uh, you know, unfeasible. You know, and one thing I didn't, a connection I didn't know is Orinoco which makes me think he probably would be familiar is Orinoco. Uh, that name comes from the Orinoco river. And that is, I don't know if we mentioned this, maybe we did, but that's the, um, the tobacco seeds that John Rolfe planted in Virginia, which w had a better kind of class of tobacco. He got those from the Orinoco riverbed. And that's what's significant about that. John Rolfe, who famously married Pocahontas. Hmm. Um, a tobacco planter, it would seem to me would, that's a fan of restoration drama would probably be familiar with that. But I'm, I, I want, I want to see a catalog of his library. I think one of those exists. But anyway, well, his, his life is like an Afro Ben play. Mm, yes, <laughs> the sheer volume of sexual conquests and bawdiness and kind of indulgence and banqueting and all of that. You, you kind of feel like you're watching one of her dramas play out. It's, it's, go ahead. I, what I love about that also is that, I mean, is like the Afro Ben play is so action packed or both the things you read, they're just like, you know, from one scene to the next and people are like living at the height of their emotions. Whereas you're right. This, this William Byrd character is doing the exact same thing, but I feel like his diary is shot through a feeling of boredom or emptiness like the entire time. The yeah, one not me, like the way yeah. he his like daily schedule. yeah or you had like nothing to do that day so he got drunk at like two or something like billions <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. The, the ebenezer cook um right that's is that the guy i'm it's been so long mm -hmm. since these episodes the poet but, yeah about the punch uh drunk virginians it's a hundred percent true i mean even uh bird mentions certain people are like overly drunk in cases and it's always when you go to virginia yeah you get you get blasted um 
Oh, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, yeah, with regards to the boredom, Williamsburg, where you play pool and gamble, definitely um, spice it up. But there's also, like, it's visitors, right? Like, it's either your your his job. It's very the intro intro to this is kind of I think a bit too um, a bit uh, nice very to Bird. Kind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he so rocks. It's like it's like yeah, and actually it proves he works hard. And it's like mm, <laughs> not really. I mean, it, it, to be honest, it gives you his his basic responsibilities are one, make sure everyone's healthy. So he's kind of like a doctor, and this yeah. is not like you know the Hippocratic Oath kind of guy. These are it's his family. And his laborers, both yeah. he looks at as capital investments, right? Capital, exactly. And and so he understands. And there is some, you know, I think this is the sort of like I don't I don't know the banality of evil. That's not really a lens that I had an errant. I haven't read that, but the, the fundamental, I think, the basic gist is how much even because I don't think Bird is. I think Bird is like is uh, like a rapist, and I I think that's not atypical though. I don't think he's extreme for his time. I think he's and and the, when you see like glimpses of humanity in this guy, for instance, mm-hmm. when he's like the next day, like one of his uh uh the uh, house servants, they have different names than the uh, slaves that live in the field quarters or whatever, is sick. It is upsetting him, and it's upsetting him. I think both as like a human and as a owner of that person. Um, and I, I, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's horrifying to read, but it's also, you realize like, Oh, this is why America is the way it is. It's because these people have been governing it for hundreds of years that basically like simultaneously look at you as humans and capital investments. Um, I think it's, it was the first thing we read where it was like, from this period where I was like, Oh, there you are like that to me, I guess, you know, cause it's just a diary, mm-hmm. but to me, it's like, you just like, you could be alive today. Like you're yes. like the same kind of selfish. I think it's like the frictionlessness of the activities. You just goes from one to the next, like what you're saying, like you could almost like read it long enough and probably like get his like moral worldview where it's just like, these bad things happen. Sometimes I do them, but it's not that big deal, and big of well, a deal because life goes on. And the relativistic thing is like he literally to the king is blames the settlers for um, encroaching into lands and abusing women in the Tuscarora for the Tuscarora War. At the mm-hmm. exact same time, he details when during the Tuscarora War, <laughs> he's going and like, like, I should see if I can, I can't, well, we'll do this in the actual episode, but basically like perving on the women in, on the tributary Native Americans that are like, they, they say like, hey, uh, we need to meet up because uh, North Carolina shit's going down and we want to make sure you side with us and not, you know, the other, Na- other Native Americans. And so what we need is for uh, your state, uh, Werowansk, uh, mm-hmm. Werowansk was to, uh, put uh, two of your kids in our colleges and also bring your uh, pretty girls around so we can, you know, mess around with them. And they literally, um, I think this is in Helen Roundtree, who's like the great anthologist, um, uh, anthropologist for, um, of the Powhatans. Like they developed a system where you, it's like, like the, the sex as a facilitator for trade because the settlers were abusing women so frequently that it's like, okay, we just need to incorporate this as like uh, a trading mechanism. So we'll have these women go up to you and yes, they were going to offer you this because you know, that way you don't come after like 
our wives or something like that. Like, like I mean that like this, and there's a whole bunch of stories like that. There's um, bird confesses very often to like asking servants to kiss him. Um, and, uh, and then the only time he's ever repentant, as far as I can tell about one of these instances is when he, uh, it's early on in the, the, uh, um, diary, but he's like, I was too forward to like an insistent with another man's wife during a party. And the reason he's really upset by that is because that woman belonged to another man. Uh, if it was just like some, mm. you know, maid servant yeah. in Williamsburg, he wouldn't, it would, he would have just reported it and been like, you know, this is between me and God. And, you know, I'm sorry, God, I shouldn't have done that. But none of the other gentlemen's involved. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy stuff. And like, it gives you a sense of how history can be the mythology of a guy like Bird could develop because for instance, if we had nothing to these diaries to go off, but just a statement on the Tuscarora War saying, um, yeah, like we need to stop abusing the Native Americans. It'd be like, holy shit, this guy is progressive. <laughs> Look at William Byrd over here. And then, you know, actually, no, it's, it's never really that simple. Um, but yeah, I, I am, I'm really enjoying these. Uh, so we'll do the at least one secret diary of William Byrd of Westover uh, in January. Um, some other things I wanted to talk about. I, we also will have to talk about bird one and maybe that's just going to be like a special episode or something like that, but, uh, who, uh, you know, this bird inherited from, but was a big part of the Bacon's rebellion, um, had servants killed and was on James point when they shouted that weird, a bacon, a bacon, because, and, and the reason I guess that was, the reason I, I, I've come to find that they chanted that was because Bacon was on the governor's council. So him being among them at James Point was pretty exciting to them. Um, so that's why they, they backed him. So William Byrd's the first was a big backer of uh, one of the primary ones. I mean, if there, if you had like the sort of Taliban cards or Al Qaeda cards, um, <laughs> Like we had in the war on terror. I did. Uh, yeah. Um, that was a birthday present. <laughs> um, Bird would probably be like the, like the, I, I don't know. Cards are actually hard because is he would be hearts, the queen of diamonds. He'd be the, yeah. He'd be the queen of diamonds. He'd be number two. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So a very interesting guy. He himself um, uh, inherited from like a benefactor who sort of adopted him as a son, but, when bird came over from England to take over the family business, uh, that man's widow basically taught him the ropes, uh, which kind of doubles back to what we've been emphasizing about the importance of widows as basically, um, vessels for patriarchal uh, wealth to live on after males and become very to the point where it's like young men were marrying widows and leaving young women uh, aside, and that became a societal problem uh, because they're wearing, marrying for wealth. George Washington's uh, ancestor did the exact same thing. Uh, came over to Virginia, find a wealthy widow because people are dying so fast. Like that's yeah. the other thing about this uh, bird stuff is like his his wife, uh, first wife in the 1709 to 1712 diary dies shortly afterwards. Um, the woman that he tries to suit and ultimately chooses another guy dies three years after that. Like, um, and I think that like a lot of this is like childbirth, but I'll, once you get to Virginia, like people are dying for all sorts of reasons. I should just 
mentioned about what his jobs are. If his capital investments are sick, but he also asked, like, now we ask about health in a sort of formal way. Like, how are you feeling? You good? There it's like, oh, you've had diarrhea for two days. You might be gone in like seven more. And um, that's very real with a lot of these people. Like, uh, and people come to, uh, he has some degree of medical knowledge and the doctor that he knows is, is a hugely important figure. He's the doc, he's the uh, physician for bird and the governor Spotswood and uh, presumably other people. Um, so, and in, I think the spy, we had one of the doctors, but like when you see doctors appear in these novels are physicians, the, a physician, uh, if you're a physician to a powerful people, you had power, um, back then. Um, but yeah, uh, and then, so you, you ask everyone's healthy, then you maybe, uh, you dance your dance, uh, which he does every day. And he's, that's the way he writes it. And in this preface, it says it's some sort of calisthenic regimen. Bullshit. I do not buy that. I think he's literally, I am calling, I have some sources to back that up. I think too. I mean, in one time he asks his, I don't think there's actual music or anything like that, but I think it would be hilarious to watch actually. I don't think it's like stretching. I think it would look more like some sort of silly ass dance. And in Albion Seed, they he talks a lot about how popular dancing was in Virginia exactly. right among the immigrants. Exactly. And so does this new uh, this biography of William Byrd that I sent you guys. Um talks about how da- how popular it was too. So I think that I think that that's wrong. Um, He's just doing a little minuet every morning. Exactly. He's <laughs> ballerina it around while people are like, you know, planting tobacco. Um, and, and then it's like, uh, okay, you, the only, like, occasionally you'll do some work shearing sheep, but mainly, and then, and then you leave the rest of it to the, you know, laborers, but occasionally he'll talk about doing that work or he worked very hard in the library, which, I mean, it was a big library, but it's mainly overseeing it's, or talking to your yeah, overseers. He like walks around his plantation a lot and yeah. And importantly, yeah. like the Westover plantation is right on the north side of the James River. And you needed to be on the river with a deep access, uh, deep water access, because that was very uh, advantageous if you're a tobacco um, yeah. planter. And that's where, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the reasons in Virginia you don't have the major cities uh, is because it's all waterway. Um, and despite the fact that being near the water like that, while economically advantageous from a health perspective, was really dangerous. And uh, I think in Albion CD makes that point that actually the more kind of salubrious environment um, inland was where a lot of the poorer people ended up. Mm. But these big plantations like on the river were disease ridden, right. um, although places where you could kind of like make a lot of money. Yeah, which is why, like, by the time Thomas Jefferson comes around, it's like, I'm moving to the fucking mountains. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and and so, yeah, it's, yeah, go uh, talk to your overseers, write some, write a lot of letters, but he also, he's, he reads hours, like, it seems like a, hours in, every morning, um, like in Horace and that sort of, like, antiquity shit. Then it's, yeah, go see the sloop off to take off some hogsheads of tobacco. And... Also, people settle accounts with him, and off, that's basically paying their tax uh, for either the land, the quitrents, they call it. Uh, so for 100 acres, you need uh, – I forget. I have these somewhere, but a certain, like a couple pounds worth of tobacco. And you can pay that literally in tobacco. And then 
uh, all the guys like Bird, uh, they combine it up and then they sell that and then they take the profit. <laughs> so a nice little system of that oligarchy. This is really what the the and I haven't seen I haven't read as much about the Burgesses yet. Um, I think that's coming. I think I'm going to get into that a little bit more. But Bird himself was on the Governor's Council, so you have a few different. Um, interest groups there. The Burgesses, which is, I think, the more democratic one. With, um, yeah. Um, and so that sort of represents a more, I mean, still oligarchic, the minor oligarchs. Um, yeah. And then you have the Governor's Council, who's put there by the governor. Uh, but that's also more of a, oh, oh, that's like the high oligarchy. That's like the, the lords, basically. Um, and they have their own and then, and then you have the governor himself, and the or the lieutenant governor, I should say, and he reports to the king. That's Spotswood. Um, Bird the second wanted to be governor himself, uh, as his father was, but uh, like I think I forget who it was, but said like only a soldier should be governor of colonies, and Bird was put out by that. And so Bird was never governor, but he's on the governor's council, and uh, the governor's council represents Virginia oligarchy against uh, the wishes of you know, the king as well, right? They're like sort of like the high merchants. Um, another detail is Bird's wife, um, uh, his, who mentioned her father, uh, Bird took over all of his debts when he married Park, which were bigger than he thought by a significant degree. The financier of Colonel Park, who became then the financier of Bird, helped him get on a lot of these high positions on like the board of trade and stuff, uh, which is interesting how that works. You owe me a lot of money. Okay. I'll help you rise. And I mean, I think that's something to think about. Um, Bird is this extremely wealthy guy. He's always um, exploiting these people to pay off these debts. Uh, and, and so the, like the, you talk about freedom, right? Like shouldn't this guy be the, the uh, um, sort of the, epitome of freedom and no he was constantly working for financiers um and i mean he took it on willingly right like he it was it was an ego thing and he was ultimately fine and he ultimately did pay off i think everything by the time he died um mm. but i i find that fascinating how and 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 behind the scenes facilitating his rise in certain places i mean uh, uh, a more vulgar example now would be uh, Brett Kavanaugh, for instance, having <laughs> tens and tens and thousands of uh, of uh, dollars in medical debt, or not medical debt. I mean, that would be that would be sympathetic. What a piece of shit! <laughs> yes. Sorry, in in gambling debt and for sports tickets, um, and that uh, somehow not coming up uh, and disappearing. Right, just, the, just disappearing. disappeared one day. It it well it disappeared into a Senate closed session. So Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell got together and said the American people don't need to uh, worry about this. And now he's on the Supreme Court, and we just have no idea like who he was owed to, right? And I don't know. It's interesting, like how like that double sided nature of debt in this because it does it makes him a complete landlord and uh, barren, and he and it drives his expansion out of necessity, but that also drives his power in extremely like uh, significant ways that make him one of the you know, more powerful men before you know, the Washington Jefferson era. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot to get into there. We'll be more methodical about it uh, in uh, the next uh, month. But uh, on top of that, uh, have you guys read much historical fiction? I'm reading some historical fiction right now. I'm reading The Master by Colm Toybin about Henry James. Oh, interesting. Oh, is that good? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's um, it's one to sort of take your time over, just like Henry James, actually. But it's cool because he he kind of is implying that certain episodes in James's life um, directly inspired certain novels or storylines. Mm. And it's kind of cool because he doesn't call them out directly, but he he'll describe a scene that that left a big mark on Henry James, and you'll think, oh, that's Portrait of a Lady. I know what he's he's getting at there. Um, like one time he meets a young girl who's incredibly um, observant of everything that's going on around her in the adult world, stuff that she shouldn't really understand, and you're like, oh, that's what Maisie knew. Um, oh. It's really kind of fun if that you're. That sounds Henry- right up your alley. Yeah, exactly. If you're a Henry James nerd, it's like you can check off your Henry James bingo every time you find one of the novels. Yeah, like I, I want to add a few more. Uh, I want to do some historical fiction this season. I think that's what we'll call it. We'll call it the season two of uh, Literary Hangover. Um, <laughs> I've already mentioned it a little bit, uh, and we probably won't go back to. We'll probably stay on Virginia a little bit, but we will get back to, there's some unfinished business in new England. And then we wanted, I, 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 we really didn't do, I listened the, the only episode I'm ashamed of myself on this podcast is the, um, uh, is it Rip Van Winkle where Henry Hudson, uh, makes a brief appearance in the friend. No. I just didn't know Henry Hudson. So we, we need to do Henry Hudson cause I've read up on Henry Hudson and, Oh yeah. Pretty amazing dude. So we need to do yeah. some uh, new Amsterdam stuff as well. Um, but, uh, and so like the, the Winthrop woman I may have mentioned by Anya Seaton, which came out like 50 years or so ago, but is amazing, uh, historical fiction set in, uh, in, uh, uh, Puritan New England. Um, that's going to be later though. Uh, the two I'm very interested in or a few that I'm interested in, um, I mentioned to you guys over text, F- Philippa Gregory. She mm-hmm. wrote The Other Boleyn Girl, which I've never read. Uh, I think I saw the movie. I, 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 I don't, it didn't make much of an impression on me. Um, but her fiction, I really am digging. So there's this series, the Tradiscant novels, um, on John Tradiscant the Elder and John Tradiscant the Younger. And he, they're the gardeners, uh, basically to the, Royal Gardeners. And it's based on a real guy who, um, have you heard of the Ashmole Museum, Grace? The Ashmolean? Ashmolean, yeah. yeah. So the, the, um, that was originally the Tradescant, uh, like museum or whatever. One of the very first public showings of rarities and plants. And it was just an amazing, like, it's an amazing, um, I think, lends to view a lot of that history. Like the first book, the first uh, Tradescan is very like, I'm a King's man, even though Buckingham is, is like this, uh, well, gay. Uh, there's a lot of homoerotic stuff in there, uh, which is true to, uh, as far as I could tell, true enough to life, which is interesting to me. Um, so she goes into places like that. And she also gives like good, like leveler background, good, 
Um, and the, the fundamental conflict with John Tredescant, the elder, is that he believes like in this, what do they call it? The um, pyramid of <laughs> like the king is at the top and everything beneath it, whatever. Um, I forget yeah, what that's the, called. Yeah, the chain of... Um, chain of being. The whole, Something. yeah, whatever that is. But he's, yeah. so like... Even when the king is ridiculous, like you got to follow what he says. And so that's it. And then his son in the second book is not like that and ends up spending a lot of time in Virginia. Mm. Um, those two books, and that's basically from the start of the uh, 1600 to like 1640, 1640s into the English Civil War. Um, and I mean, just I think it's an amazing, I, I have a lot of respect and uh, newfound respect for historic fiction. I mean, obviously I knew, I mean, my favorite is um, Pynchon, but Toni Morrison also. And obviously there's, but the actual genre of it too, I think I maybe, especially like, I think I probably dismissed the other Bowling girl. Uh, when I, when I bought the earthly joys, I mean, there is a little bit of a romance to certain scenes that like is a bit much um, for me, I guess, but <laughs> I I get it a little bit also. Like as long, as long as you're doing the work and like adding very interesting and well-observed historical detail because these people are crazy. The historical fiction uh community if if you have a trap door uh hanging before trap door hangings happened, they will let you know about it and you'll feel <laughs> shitty about your book. Uh like right you have to do all that research and like I I really respect the writers who do that. Mm-hmm. And I think Philip Gregory's is one of those. Uh, there's another recent one that maybe we could get to because it's a shorter book, but it's the and it came out this year. The brief and true report of Temperance Flower Do, a novel uh, by Denise Hines, and mm. it's about um, she's like a, a two. There's kind of two main characters. There's Temperance Flower Do, who's sort of like a uh, she's a, a one of the more um, higher class women who would go over to the colonies. Uh, and I don't want to spoil anything, but um, ultimately the man she's promised to, things don't quite work out. And it's her uh, uh, sort of, I guess, uh, maidservant, uh, Lily, she has sort of a second sight issue. But anyway, they go through early, like 1609, Jamestown to 1610, so the starving winter. I mean, there's some additive stuff about, you know, but I think this probably is not terribly unrealistic about witchcraft and women believing they have second sight. And on top of that, I think it's, there's added all this great detail about like John Smith, um, about what actually happened in that starving, like a cannibalism incident. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think like, as long as you, I I like the way these, um, especially I think that I've been reading like the best of historical um, fiction, but the way you, and Hilary Mantel, obviously, um, yeah, great. Queen. Um, yeah, exactly. She really is. We should maybe do some go way back and do some yeah, on her because, yeah. and like, the way I find it a, nece- a necessary mode to think about history in, in addition to the nonfiction stuff that we read. Uh, I think, like, and I think there's probably it's it's a bit too seductive. And it's a bit easier to read the nonfiction. So like I could, I could see myself going a bit too far in the other direction, but I think, uh, especially done in the right hands, um, uh, it's, it's super important because like that, the, the sort of to realize I, what you were saying to Alex about, Oh, there you are. 
right? Like um, about Bird. And obviously mm -hmm. he can't hide when he's writing in his diaries in a shorthand that he doesn't expect anybody to be able to decipher. That gives you a certain kind of intimacy um, that can't be reproduced. But you can get you you can get close and importantly you can get closer and as in like as history develops and as our understanding of say early jamestown develops then all of a sudden this creates more grist for like this temperance flower novel and that incorporates some of the newer findings right and then tries to put human emotions in around that and i i think it, it but it solidifies those events in your brain a lot more than if you just are understanding them as the metadata basically um, yeah especially i think if you compare it to like i think like american historiography in the last 20 or 30 years has really been about like biography especially with like um chernow and stuff like that but i think you're right because you read those like 1200 page biographies of washington and you can never get close to them even like with that you just see this like you see this cipher reacting to events and being like well i guess that's how he reacted that's unique but you yeah, can never with, with yeah, don't know select who quotes yeah. yeah yeah basically yeah, it's become like its own genre the magisterial biography which those yeah. are trash like i uh william holden well, have you read the frederick Douglass one That's i haven't no and i yeah i don't i don't mean to be too um i mean like like chernow and like that kind of the stuff Anything that, that falls into dad literature i feel it's like it's a prize pitch right it's mm. yeah I haven't read Chernow, but I kind of feel like I ought to. It's know? it's airport history, really. <laughs> like, and I don't know, like like Walter Isaacson. Yep. Like, yeah, that shit. And it's like I I remember liking it. CEOs love it though. Right, and it's like I I I understand why because it really does a good job of making you feel like you understand, but like it is. I think it's very, it's very light calories and uh, yeah, like, I don't know, like even some of the major ones like David McCulloch's, I, I, I don't want to bash it all. And like, for instance, like a Marx one that came out recently is very good. And so obviously that stuff can be done well, but yeah, I think the ones that get super popular, particularly, particularly about the founders, there's a lot of just shitty yeah. stuff about the founders. Um, yeah. Like, I've read a book. I've read like several Jefferson uh, things, and it's all just kind of like. Uh, what's it? That's another one. What's his name? The guy who wrote Biden's speech. He wrote a Jefferson one, like the Art of Power. Meacham, right? Meacham, yeah. That's he is, he's the worst of that whole that whole right. crew. It's the guys who do MSNBC hits too, right? Yeah. Like they're writing a book to get on MSNBC and be you know blow George Scarborough's mind with like the fact that they've read like several yeah. things. Actually uh, Jefferson had an iPad too. <laughs> I said, well, it's like, it's like that jolly guy that I quote tweeted on Twitter. The other guy, the uh, former. Oh, yeah. That was Florida, humiliating. That was, was embarrassing. It was like, like, I mean, he's trying to dunk on Jim Jordan saying like, what would the founders say about blah, 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 whatever the fuck, who gives a shit? It's Jim Jordan. Um, it was some bullshit about voting that he was lying about. But the guy's like, the founders would say, what's Ohio? And like, how on <laughs> earth could you like think that? Like that, like that, they, that they would like, obviously Ohio wasn't a state yet, but Ohio as a territory may be weighed on their minds as heavily as anything else. Like, 
yeah. And no, that this level was, of this was yeah, this was ages ago when guys were going crazy with swords. And, yeah, it's like all. <laughs> yeah. It's like gunpowder had been around for a long ass time by then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean the. The sad truth is, like, even former representatives and MSNBC contributors don't know shit about the world and live in, like, basically a child's mythology of... And, like, that that thing, right? Like, the, the, the cliche of we're so advanced now that someone from the past, their mind would be blown immediately by mm-hmm. what's going on. And I actually... I think there is... I think that's way too much buying into the um, linear progress of history narratives. Mm-hmm. Uh, like language might be an issue, but once you got over that, you say Ohio to George Washington, he's going to have shit to say about it. And I think, I think, yeah, tying it back a little bit to William Byrd is like, that's where it really makes, you know, it makes me think, you know, when you read stuff like that about like trying to go in those two modes of what's different and like, in like, like the wisdom of some sense, like the things that never change. And it's like, I, you see a William Byrd every single day. I know that guy, like, and it's you would think he would have some totally different sense of life because he's on the cutting edge of existence being on the frontier. And yet there he is, like just this kind of bored, selfish prick. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to show because I bought the cheapest one of these Kindles um, and it's the ad supported one. So whenever you start it up, it gives you like a Geico ad. But there's one that shows <laughs> Bill Gates, like showing his like favorite books of the year. And Bill Gates is just a William Byrd, right? Like, and I like when these guys. These Are you saying on po- uh, that he's a rapist on podcast? <laughs> well, well, I don't know. Like I don't know about Byrd that, but definitely an Epstein figure. <laughs> yes, well, there's that too. Um, but I want to say on the on the Bill Gates thing, like with like this, like the the, the things that Bird does for self help, um, right? Like the calisthenics or dancing routine, or the mm-hmm. reading the classics, which all these guys. Through from him to like uh, like Jefferson and Washington, they were obsessed with like that doing like that thought that was their duty, right? So you get up, it's like William Byrd has this weird diet where he only wants to eat one sort of thing each meal. So it's like I woke up, I ate chocolate, or I I ate milk, which I don't understand. Ate he does milk. drink and eat, which I that's something yeah. we need to talk about I at length in the podcast. I think maybe back then the milk was like. Maybe had more like curds in it, you know. It might have been more like yeah. yogurt. I don't know. I'm right? Just... No, I think Awful. that's probably exactly delicious. Um, that's that's probably right. And but you're yeah. right, Matt. This whole this little routine in the morning, it's all part of this moral nourishment that he is performing. Yes. You know, like oh, I did. I said my prayers. I ate my breakfast, and I read my my ancient Greek. And now I'm off to like commit some rapes and beat yeah. off to rape. <laughs> it's really yeah. I mean, it's like tit for tat, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's and then it's like, and on top of this, like he, uh, he confesses regularly to these sorts of uh, uh, attacks, and particularly in Williamsburg, particularly with like, it reminded me of Dominic Strauss Kahn. Um, the oh, uh, French politician. Yeah. The maid at the hotel? Yeah, with the maid in the hotel. Because the second he gets to Williamsburg one of these times, he starts bothering the maid. And I can't, I mean, that, talk about a, 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 a figure for historical fiction or mm. a diary that would be amazing to see if, you know, uh, 
it was written would be the diary of a maidservant at one of these like Williamsburg because they must see all I mean right now we know I mean Donald Trump um uh well I'm sure Trump is running intelligence operations in his hotels. I don't have evidence for that. But we know that when Trump went to – oh, I don't know if we uh, – we know hotels are basically huge traps for in, information, right? Like you have, yeah, yeah. You have a high-power clientele um, that come there. And the timelessness of that is fascinating to me. Like mm. it, nothing has changed there at all. Um, I mean there's – and then you also see some of the weird debutante shit, which is like – such and such gentleman came and showed us his pre-daughters. And I don't know if you've seen that part, which is like, we just like looked at them. And there's other yeah. instances where it's like hinting that they got a, uh, uh, Indian woman drunk and passed her around and she was great sport or something like that said, like it, the Epstein thing is definitely like, and how conscious that was as part of like the slave trade, for instance, mm. like we, we like, of course the, the, like the labor power is a driving force for that, but there are stories and I don't think those are in, I need to find out where I came across this, but it's also something maybe we should go into of not only the men, obviously picking certain um, slaves out for being beautiful so they can have them around the house um but women uh uh inspecting the genitals of male slaves in like Charleston like on the docks basically yeah. um like like that part of it was and also women like beating the shit out of slaves that annoy them throughout the day like there's a, there's an episode with his wife i think where he has to pull his wife off a slave because he thinks yeah. that he's going to beat her to death his wife has her father's temper it appears mm. because yeah she uh multiple times uh gets into fights with the slaves one of the time he pulls his wife off but another time later he has to pull the slave off after the slave does pretty significant damage to his wife um, um and i mean just constantly fighting uh and it, i mean i think you get a sense that there's some st like, there's some unhappiness with her um yeah, yeah. Uh, because I mean, literally, she um, at one point uh, threatened suicide. Um, yeah. Like, she's, she's a very unhappy person. Um, and, uh, and also, like, constantly pregnant. Like, uh, and they lose children throughout this um, uh, as well. But they lose one. And then, like, later in the year, she's pregnant again. And he mentions it. And it's like, damn, wasting no time. Because, of course, this is... I mean, to go back to increase Mather, right? You need the increase. You need, yeah. you need, and then you also need like uh, air. Um, and the air would not come from uh, Park. It would come from uh, later marriage. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm excited. To, I'm excited to, I'm sorry to make you guys read it. Um, <laughs> no, it's fun. I just want to get, I'll give people a, um, here's a November, 1710. I rose at eight o'clock after I'd given my life. Oh, here it is again. Okay. I rose at eight o'clock after I had given my wife a flourish. They have a lot of sex. Um, yeah. and he mentions it a lot. And he, at first he's like, I gave my wife a flourish. Later on, he starts using the phrase, I rogered my wife. And oh, it's funny. God, that word. It's just, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> I rogered her with vigor, like that sort of stuff. It's like, 
it, and it seems like it happened after trip to Williamsburg. Maybe that's just in my mind, but it's like, oh, you, turn, you learned a new term. <laughs> Yeah, 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 maybe that's like the hip new phrase. Yeah, he went to the city to get like the new cool lingo. <laughs> exactly. I read two chapters in Hebrew and some Greek in Lucian. I said my prayers and ate boiled milk for breakfast. I danced Disgusting. my, I, I danced my dance. I cleaned my head and was shaved. So had someone shave him. Uh, sometimes he says he shaves himself. Um, I ate cold roast beef for dinner. In the afternoon, the wind was northeast, and in the evening it began to rain. I danced my dance again and said my prayers. So busy day. (laughs) I sent for the tailor to cut my coat shorter. At night, my wife and I played at Piquet and had a small quarrel about our count. They're often getting into fights. And even one time, at least, Bird admits to cheating um, (laughs) at the games that they play and just to pass the time. A lot of billiards. A lot of billiards. A lot of billiards. I mean, this is a a truly a goldmine for pastime... uh, or pastimes yeah. of yesteryear. Uh, we ate some pears and milk for supper. That's a weird pears and milk. I don't, I don't hate that supper actually. Yeah, I mean, it's- I was talking to Grace and I were talking about this book for a little bit, and you couldn't believe like the one like like was he only talking about the high? I couldn't tell if he was only talking about the highlights of what he ate or that literally was it. And it seems like that's it. Like, no, yeah, he like a rule didn't he for himself that he could only yeah. eat one. It was some kind of fad diet that you yeah. eat one thing at a time, and you also like felt like shit. Like so, you yes, talk about eating exactly. like he's talking about eating like a sausage and like one asparagus. It's like, are you out of your <laughs> fucking mind? That's yeah, exactly. Like, I talked about him mentioning the health of other people. So much is preoccupied with his stomach, and it's like my stomach yeah. is not doing well today. So I promptly <laughs> ate a whole bunch of cherries, and it's like, dude, <laughs> yeah. yeah, or he's like eating chocolate for. For breakfast, breakfast and it's like your day is done, dude. Yeah. You're not. Let's finish. Uh, we yeah. I wrote a letter to Will Epps and sent him some sage to cure his looseness. See, it's all this sort of like yeah. everyone has diarrhea and bowel issues. Yeah. I prepared for my journey to Williamsburg. I had good health, good thoughts, and good humor. Thank God Almighty. And then the final line of this uh, introduction: the Negro woman ran away again. And that is really the, the the overwhelming like the base note of this diary is trouble with slaves and yeah. anything you say that suggests that there's any kind of harmony is put to bed by this because they are constantly dealing with runaway slaves or like he's constantly saying like this slave said that like Alvin that's like Redskin Joe. Uh, mm-hmm. said that uh, he was sick, but I think he was putting on airs or, or putting it on. So I put a bit in his mouth for the day and that cured him. Um, like it, that's the, con- that's the work of this guy. Fundamentally. It's I think too- it's the, nat- the nature of the book too, really brings that across more than anything else we've read. I think it was all written in shorthand also, and it, yep. it's elaborated in the text, but there's no, because the diary, there's no, he's not calling attention to the things that he likes or the thing, like trying to show any kind of emotion. It's like almost like reading like a grocery list. And I think the, the, like the rapidity of, of, you know, like slaves running away or the beatings, it's even, it actually is more forceful, ironically, the way it's laid out in a litany like that, because you're just seeing it over and over again. Instead of reading like a piece of prose, you're just like really getting to see this guy's life, which is, you know, the, yeah. the totality of it, I guess, of the, the horror. Really? And, and his, I mean, the Virginians aren't as pious as New Englanders, um, but the way that he can go from reporting uh, 
a, a runaway slave or a horrific punishment to a slave to saying his prayers as if he's good with God uh, is a st- that's the banality of evil I'm talking about. Like it's it's he there's no he's do he thinks he's doing his duty. Uh, well, it's almost like it's almost like one is following the other, like in the opposite sense where like he does his like, you know, his enlightenment reading in the morning and his prayers in the evening and every it's a it's a free for all in between. It almost makes you think that, right, the free for all was first. And these two things are the way of like the pressure release valves at the morning and the evening. Yeah. You can sit with yourself. One of the revealing things about that, you know, the myth that, you know, these were uh, occasionally nice places for slaves to live um, is the he gets in a fight with his wife who started being a slave before the company went away, which you're not supposed oh, to do. Oh, yeah. Which, like, also, I think, cre- like, helps to create a lie to all themselves, right? Like, mm-hmm. like this is actually, like, not happening. I mean, obviously, they all know it's happening. But the official yeah. line is it's not happening or not really a problem. Right. It's like yeah. the facade of a highly civilized, highly sophisticated culture that's actually built on normalized violence. Yeah. It's, it's truly yeah. sick. Like, the, the power struggle he has with his wife, There's his wife beats, I think, little Jenny, who's um, mm. um, the one I think uh, Bird asked to kiss him um, and when he reports that he asked her to kiss him I think the implication is she kissed him because she's his slave and she did what he said like I don't yeah. think, I don't think it's like I asked her and then she like said no 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 I like I think we know where the rest of that went um, and but there's this one case where he gets in a fight with his wife for beating little Jenny too much and then uh, says, well, this slave actually needed the beating, so I'm going to beat this slave to prove a point to my wife. And then the wife got even more. So the fight was still between him and his wife, and all the punishment is being taken out on the the slave and all the slaves. And the other thing is, the, the one last point on medicine is there's a lot of different types of cures that are uh gone through here one that seems gross is the bark which seems like ground up bark that you drink yeah that makes you feel really horrible um but like stops you from having stomach or diarrhea issues um but there's awful lot of bleeding as well and people don't like it like really avoid it and like especially in all these debates we have about medicine in this country I think it, like, what? How do I want to put this? Him as a doctor, and his primary motive being profit. I don't want to draw too uh, quick of a parallel to uh, what we're doing in this country now, but the experimentation is going to be on the slaves. And hopefully it works because you want them to be able to continue working and you might even care about them as, as uh, something approaching like another one of God's creatures. But then it's like you, ha- you can have some innovation because you can test all this stuff on them and then use, use what works on your family. And mm. there's no absolute um, admission that that's what's happening here. But we know that like if – his wife can resist certain punishments for a few days. She can do that in ways that the slaves can. And so there's going to be a lot more Liberty taken with that. And like, that's the, the medicinal part of this, I think is, would be a a very interesting thing for somebody to zero in on. um, Because 
it, it, maybe uh, it's just reading this during the pandemic, but it, it definitely made me, um, it was definitely something I was sensitive to, but, uh, I think that's all the notes we need to do on bird until we uh, finally do it. But, um, you guys, have anything else you want to, uh, d- Oh, to, a few other things. Uh, I just want to mention, we talked about Henry Hudson. There's a new book about Thomas Morton and oh, yeah. I really, and it's not that long. Uh, I wish it was longer, frankly, uh, I want more detail, but, um, I just don't think there's that much known, but the new English Canaan, uh, I think would be something that I would really want to read. Uh, bring that back. <laughs> bring that back, folks. Um, the sort of counter-Puritan um, ideology in New England. Uh, and and we also, of course, The Great Awakening. Um, uh, a, interestingly, um, that, that happens after Bird here, uh, about 20, 30 years. Uh, Bird, how New England got its groove back. <laughs> yeah. Bird reads... Uh, pretty regularly one of the preachers that the revivalists were reacting against. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't been able to make a whole lot of head or tail about, you know, what that stuff is about. Maybe we'll I'll have to task Alex with that because it's a little bit theology laden, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to say before we uh, say goodbye? I would say that uh, listeners should definitely check out, uh, Grace's David Feldman. Yes, I was going to uh, ask about that. She's got an entire library now of visits with a whole range of topics. Talk about a real uh, Renaissance person that might actually put William Byrd might might be better than <laughs> William Byrd. I don't know. Well, we haven't seen her diaries yet, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but well, yeah. Tell us about that, Grace. Um. Yeah. Well, I I started listening to the David Feldman show a lot during the first lockdown we had here. Um something about the nine hour podcast format that just lends itself to quarantine <laughs> during the plague. Um, and then, yeah, at some point I found myself going on the show to, um, to interview people. Um, I did a couple of interviews about Taiwan and China initially, and then I started bringing people on the show and we had, um, we had Dr. Ashok Kumar on the show, who I think also was on Left Reckoning, right, Matt? Correct, yep. Yeah, I saw him on the BBC talking about the Indian farmers' protest and just contacted him and <clears throat> asked if he would come on. That's cool, um, he was on the BBC, too. Yeah, it was... He's Bros of Stalin on Twitter, I think. He's Bros of Stalin, yeah. Matt, which we made sure he had to say his Twitter handle out loud. He tried to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but his appearance on the BBC was kind of bizarrely uh, like hostile from the BBC side. Like he was basically just giving an overview of what was going on. And the, the anchor was like absolutely insistent on kind of pushing the idea that Modi had made these concessions and actually there was a minimum Mm. price that the farmers were getting. And isn't that, shouldn't we focus on that? And she kept pushing him. It was really strange um damn pro modi bbc that's it was it was weird yeah uh kind of unexpected but i mean obama was pro modi too so right um who else what else have we done on this show i did see you and alex on there you guys did a great job uh talking about literary hangover i appreciate you guys doing that yeah and i think david is um i think david's a listener 
I uh, I was uh, on a panel with David. I recorded one for TMBS on comedy uh, yesterday with Andy oh, Kindler nice. and uh, Sam City. Yeah, it was very fun. But I did like on literary or on um, on the Feldman show. Alex, you got him. What did? How did you make him laugh? Oh, it was about um, all the people who. Um, uh, died because their clothes lit on fire uh, from candles. <laughs> and Alex said, yeah, that'd be like me drowning, washing my hands. Uh, and that was pretty funny. I, I, I've come across that too. Somebody else, uh, I can't remember whose mother he said died. Do you remember? It was, um, Longfellows. Yeah. Long, yeah. It was, that was an amazing, uh, fact to have in your back pocket when someone's trying to like talk about a boring author. He's like, Oh yeah. Her wife uh, burned to death in front of him. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, um, damn Longfellow. That's that's if if you'd have had me name all the authors we've covered uh, on Literary Hangover, Longfellow might be the last one I get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was the last time I picked uh, a, a subject because I just was like halfway. I was like, why did we do this? And it's like, oh yeah, because I thought this this long bad poem about Native American would be good. But no, the New York I, Times was like, not racist enough, actually. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a good episode. I And also, I remember uh, Skylar and I were listening to... I, I got into that poem, just the meet, the the rhythm of it. I mean, oh, yeah. the subject matter wasn't that great, but the uh, it got me, the the, the sort of rhythm. But um, mm-hmm. I've been watching The Last Kingdom. Have you, have, What's are you familiar that? with this? Last Kingdom is a, uh, is a BBC uh, or Netflix series. Um uh, I think made with either Channel 4 or maybe it's a BBC thing. Um, but it's a Netflix series about the um, Danes and the Viking invasion and being fought back by uh, was it Arthur. Um, basically. Oh, is uh, it Chris Pine or something is in that? No, no Chris Pine. Oh. A, a total hunk is in it. Okay, all right. So I'm men. back in. This is different from the series The Vikings, right? Different than the series The Vikings, yeah. This is you guys should actually you'd, you'd like this. This is also um, uh, perked my interest for historical fiction a little bit because it's very mm-hmm. well done. I mean, it's it's I don't think it's super accurate, um, but the but also we just don't have that great a history from uh, you know the 900s or the 1100s, whenever yeah. it was. Um, uh, but. Uh, that's very enjoyable. Um, I recommend that uh, for anybody looking for a TV show recommendation. Um, oh, I want to mention as well, I've been reading, um, I like to read 19th century novels before I go to bed. It's like my little ritual. And the one I've enjoyed the most recently is um, North and South by Elizabeth Gaskell, mm. which I've already talked Alex's ears off about this, but um, it's, the top review of it on Goodreads is great. It just says um, Pride and Prejudice for Socialists. And I can confirm that that is an accurate review. It's wonderful and um, a total revelation. I knew nothing about Elizabeth Gaskell and now I just want to read everything that she wrote. So I've read Cranford since then, which, and both Cranford and North and South were turned into very good BBC um series a while back but i'm gonna try and find them because they sound excellent yeah Yeah, i uh, i have heard of gaskell but this whole it's but kind of based on the story of a family who moved from hampshire in the south to a town called milton in the north which i think is based on manchester 
mm. which is kind of in the midst of the cotton trade boom and the manufacturing boom. And it's, it's just brilliant on, you know, on class and um, all the, all the things that we like talking about on this show. So I recommend it. Yeah. I have read, I think I have on my audible cousin Phyllis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah. And I think I had North and South on one of the original plans for, uh, um, literary hangover. So that's great. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's, sounds... yeah, we should, we should do it sometime. Yeah. That sounds cool. Um, cool. Alex, anything, uh, what's your, on your cultural uh, radar lately? Hmm. Let's see. Theology. I don't know. Just like, yeah, yeah. Theology. the office yeah. American version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I've been watching, uh, the office and let me tell you, there's a guy Dwight on there. That... Yeah. There's this guy. He's the king of forwards. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of, I've been going through like New York review of books. It's really been like in my life lately. They're, they're classics. And they've been really pushing William Gaddis because they just released JR and Recognitions. And JR is just like, is this novel from like 75, 1975. And it's like a thousand pages. I think it's, 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 or maybe a little bit longer, but it's, I think it's either 98 or like, it's got to be close to a hundred percent pure dialogue. And it's just people talking fast at each other. And this kid, like, wow. uh, basically through fraud, a 10 year old creates a, uh, um, conglomerate empire becomes super rich and then destroys this small long Island town in the process. It's kind of like, um, like a Bartleby, the Scribner, but like a thousand pages long. And so this is like biting satire of, uh, um, kind of early neoliberalist capitalism, but it's genius. Uh, it's been like probably my favorite read this year. I would definitely suggest, uh, readers take a look at that and then, you know, in like 15 years time, when we get to the 1970s, uh, it'll be a good one for, to cover. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the problem is, I feel like history just gets more and more complex. I mean, the market. Yeah, I know. And then also the history that you already covered, you realize, oh, that was a bit more complex than I had realized. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so folks, uh, January, uh, William Byrd, we're going to do it uh, for real. Um, and then... We'll see. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll do after that, but uh, some of the things we touched on um, in this episode will probably be amongst it. So, uh, Grace and Alex, thank you so much. It's good to talk to you guys. Yeah. Good to talk to you guys. On William Bird next.